Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hagan. An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on The Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello, guys. I'm obviously not Chuck or Julie. I'm Mark Griffith. I'm sitting in for Chuck and Julie. They're taking the week off. I think you had another guest host on Monday. I'm going to be here today and Friday, and I was going to give you a real quick synopsis of what I hope to cover today and Friday. Obviously, if you want to cover something in particular, um, please uh, make a comment, although I can't really read the comments while I'm doing the show. Because when Chuck and do, Julie do it, there's two of them. So one can be reading the comments, the other can be talking. I can't do both. So I'm just going to talk. I'd love for you to call in. Uh, the phone number is um, 888-627-6008, I think. Uh, maybe the producer could put in the comments, the call-in number. That might be helpful. That would be the best thing. All right, here's what we're going to cover. Something that's been driving me crazy lately is how we are bathed in lies in every aspect of the world. And part of that is because there's something called a gel man amnesia effect. Dennis Prager has a bad case of it right now. Um, I'm going to get into that, but it's a, it's a, it's a, Phrase that Michael Crichton coined in a great speech in 2003. I read the whole speech uh, last night. I was it was great. So we're going to talk about the gel man amnesia effect. We're going to talk a little bit about the war in Ukraine and how it relates to the gel man amnesia effect. We're going to talk about mortgage redlining, which isn't a thing. But if you watch the news or read the news, everybody used to assume like climate change, price gouging. And redlining. Everybody just knows those are real things. They're not. None of those things are real. Okay? Not in the sense that they mean them. Do I believe climate changes? Of course. But man has little to no impact when you look at the math. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the trans issue. Um, not long. I, I think it's boring. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, vaccines, negative efficaciousness. So the vaccines, particularly the RNA vaccines, we're starting to see the data from around the world is showing that the more pokes you get, the higher your chances are of getting COVID. And forget about the whole, well, but it keep me from getting it serious like. There's no way to control for that. We don't have a control group, so that's not an argument that makes any sense. Might make people feel better, but it doesn't make sense. And then I'm going to talk about how there's no such thing as price gouging, okay? But we'll probably get to that on Friday. I hope you get some blowback on that because people get really emotional about price gouging during hurricanes and so on. All right, let's talk about the gel man amnesia effect. Let's read the definition. So the definition is, and by the way, Michael Crichton, who is a very, very smart guy. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. It's C-R-I-C-H-T-O-N. He was asked why he named it. And he said, I named it after Nobel Prize winning physicist Murray Gell-Mann. And this is his reason. Michael Crichton's a smart guy. 
I refer to it by this name because once I discussed it with Murray Joe Mann, and by dropping a famous name, I implied a greater importance to myself and to the effect than it would otherwise have. In other words, he's appealing to expertise or to, you know, whatever. So here's the Joe Mann effect. Briefly stated, the Joe Mann amnesia effect as follows. You open the newspaper or turn on the TV to an article on some subject with which you know well. You're very experienced. Maybe you work in that field or maybe your parents worked in it or whatever, but you know the field well. You read the article and you see that the journalist has absolutely no understanding of either the facts or the issues concerning this uh, field. In fact, many times you'll read this article and realize that the author not only doesn't know anything about this business, but he has the, the, the cause and effects backward. He, he really is screwing up the story. He is giving literal misinformation to the public. All right. Anyway, you get through reading it. You, you kind of are exasperated or amused, whatever, and think, what an idiot. His producer and him don't know anything about that, say, the mortgage business, what I was in for 18 years. And then you turn the page or you see the reporter flip it back to the anchor in the studio and they go to the next subject with which you're not experienced. You don't have a lot of experience. And you watch as if you didn't see the previous one. That's called, that's the amnesia. You forget that on every subject that you're pretty well informed on, the media gets it wrong. But you believe when they're reporting on Ukraine or Palestine or Israel or whatever, oh, they're getting it right because you're not as familiar with that. Now, I have a couple of advantages. I'm 61 and I've held a lot of jobs. I've worked in a lot of fields. I've sold cars. I had a carpet cleaning business. I had a mortgage business. Um, right now, I own a spade truck. Uh, first, before I get into jail, man, let me introduce myself. All right. So um, I used to have a radio show for about a year and a half at uh, KLZ. And then I, the, the lockdown, not the pandemic, the lockdown made it where I couldn't keep my sponsors. They weren't making any money, so they couldn't pay me. So I left there and I've been basically uh, working around the house, remodeling some stuff and selling trees. We have property. We grow trees. This winter, I bought a spade truck. and if you don't know what a spade truck is, a spade truck is a big machine that's on a truck and it digs a huge hole, kind of like an upside down pyramid. And you take that plug, bring it to my house. We put it in an open hole. Then we dig a tree, oak tree, spruce tree, pine tree, and we take it and plant that tree in the person's yard. This is a much more effective way of moving trees than ball and burlap because you're getting a lot more of the root ball. The root ball hasn't been stunted in the burlap sack for two or three years. So um, it's a very effective and highly uh, efficient way to move trees. So if you know anybody that needs a tree, my website is treesinparker.com. Not going to spend a lot of time plugging it, but I got to make a living. Plus, my other job is I make sure my wife goes to work every morning on time. She has a great gig. She works for the UC Health System. All right. So the gel man effect is... You realize that these reporters, they don't know what they're talking about most of the time. And you do, and it's frustrating. Um, I'm going to give you a couple examples here. Let's see here. Where's my, uh, where's my uh, notes? Oh, boy. I messed up. We're not, too, much, too much paper here. Here we go. Joe Man Effect. So I read you the definition. Here's a couple of examples. I was a mortgage broker for 18 years. And, you know, People would always think, oh, mortgage interest rates, they're going to go down because the Fed cut rates. 
or they're going to go up because the Fed increased rates. They're not connected at all. The Fed rate or the federal discount rate is the rate that the Federal Reserve charges the largest banks in the country to loan money to them overnight. It's to balance out their balance sheets. I don't know all the details. I'm not a finance guy. And it's been artificially low for many years. Many people believe since 1987, the Fed has been pumping up the economy with low interest rates and lots of printing. There's no doubt about that. But people would come to me when they would say, when it was in the news back in the 2000s, because rates were dropping. I got in the mortgage business at the right time, 1995. And between 1995 and 2013, mortgage rates went from about 8% to about 3%. So I just kept refining people and paying their closing costs, but not the point. But the point is, is that people would call me up and say, hey, I saw on the TV that Alan Greenspan lowered the federal funds rate by half a point. And I would say, well, that's nice, but that has nothing to do with mortgage rates. Here's why. Mortgage rates are more or less driven by economic activity. If there's a high, mortgage rates are nothing more than the price of money. Interest is the price of money. So when you go to the store and you buy an apple for a dollar, that's the price of the apple. When you go get a loan, the interest rate you pay on the loan is your price of the money. You're paying the lender to give you that money for a certain period of time. So that's one place uh, I would, you, you would see it on, on CNBC. They would say, oh, great, mortgage rates are going to come down because the Fed cut the discount rate. In fact, a lot of times it has an inverse relationship. And here's why. When the Fed is cutting rates, it's usually to keep the economy from going into a recession. It means we have a slowing economy. When the rate Fed raises rates, it's usually to stop an overheated or an inflationary economy like we have now. So those two things do the opposite to the mortgage business, typically. All right, that's just one example. Here's another example. Um, redlining, okay? Everybody knows there's redlining. Here's what redlining is. Redlining is, it was an official government policy in the 30s. When they first started doing mortgage lending, uh, the federal government got into the uh, farm, Federal Farm Lending Act or whatever. It was a, it was a New Deal thing, program. And they they redlined minority neighborhoods, no question about it. Now, they outlawed that process in the 60s with a federal legislation. They made it illegal to discriminate in housing in any form or fashion. And just to give you an idea how bad this is, if you know anybody in the real estate business, they have to be very careful the words they use when describing what school district a house is in. Because if they say things like, oh, excellent school district, Cherry Creek, that can be considered racist, okay? I was a mortgage broker for 18 years, and I can't tell you. They focused on race so much, it was sickening. And they, and they focused on, they wanted me to, when, when the, the, the subprime bubble burst in 2008, prior to that, for the 10 years prior, starting in the Clinton administration, and then in the Bush number 43 administration, they were pushing subprime loans for minorities. I would go to places like Countrywide and Wells Fargo, and my loan reps were saying, Mark, there's all this great profit out here. You could do subprime loans for people and you could do these minority borrowers. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't want to do subprime loans. And I'm glad I didn't. I had a conscience. I stuck to doing loans to people who needed, who could pay them off. Okay. Um, it, I didn't have anything to do with minorities. I mean, there's, I didn't, I didn't discriminate people on color. I just didn't want to get into that part of the business. 
Um, here's another one. Um, and we're going to talk about redlining later and how you, I can prove that there's, it's not a thing. It's a very simple thing, and you never hear it talked about because the people doing the reporting don't know anything. Um, car buying. I've sold cars a number of times in my life. I know you find that hard to believe. Um, and the misconceptions about the car business are enormous for the most part. Uh, some of them, some of the stereotypes are true. You're dealing Doug types. Those dealerships are still doing it the old way. But most dealerships, the auto nations of the world, have come into the 21st century big time. They, it's a, they try to make it as pleasant as possible. The number one thing, and we're going to talk about this in redlining, the number one problem that makes car buying a bad experience for people is people who have bad credit. There's a lot of people out there with bad credit. People with bad credit buy older used cars usually. Those cars break down more often. So they got to buy cars more often. So it's an endless cycle. Not a good thing. Here's a good example. So Ben Rhodes, that name may ring a bell. Ben Rhodes was one of the top advisors to President Obama. He was 30-ish, a failed screenwriter. I don't know what he did in college, but he didn't know much. But he knew how to spin a yarn, and he was closely aligned with the um, um, president's philosophies, which is to say a, a Marxist. And um, he famously said one time, let's see, where is this quote? Well, basically, I can't find the quote, but he said it was when he was talking about how they pushed the narrative on the Iran uh nuclear deal back in 2014 or whatever it was. He said the White House press corps is so is easy to manipulate. They're like putty in my hands because think about it. They're all like 27. They all just got a journalism school. They don't know anything about the real world. They don't know anything about Iran. So they take the narrative and they're predisposed to a leftist bent. They all were enthralled with Obama. So whatever the White House told the press corps, they go out and spin it to the public. And so that's why 50% of the American public's like, ah, no big deal. The Iran deal is a good deal for America. It's a terrible deal for America, terrible deal for Israel, terrible deal for the world. But my point is a larger point. Go watch Channel 31 or Channel 4. Almost every reporter, not everyone, there's two kinds of reporters. There's the ones that have been in the business since the 80s. So that's all they've done their whole life is sit behind a desk and read news. They don't know anything about the real world. Or two, they're fresh-faced right out of college looking for their big break. They know even less because they don't study real life in journalism school. Um, guilty as charged, I majored in journalism back when they taught you how to read and write and do grammar. So um, either way, you're dealing with people who really don't have any experience in the real world. So when they're reporting on stuff, they're just reading words that a producer, and usually the producers in that business, are very young. By the way, the pay in TV news and in print journalism has gone through the floor. They can't afford to hire a veteran. It used to be that when you got it, you're the White House correspondent for ABC or AP or the UPI, they're not around anymore. It was a plum assignment. It was a cherry on the top of a long career. You had spent time in London or, or in Lebanon or in Moscow, or, you know, Tokyo, or you've done time on Wall Street. So you had experience in all these areas. You had geopolitical experience. You'd come back and you'd get a nice house in the, you know, Maryland suburbs. 
and you'd be in the White House press corps. Cherry duty got paid a lot, but those people were in their 50s and 60s. They were naturally suspicious of anything a government official told them. They had a cynicism that was well-earned. And so as a result, they, they, they weren't putty in the, the White House press spokesman's hands. If you watch the Jen Psaki's lying tournament every afternoon, she just says the biggest whoppers. For instance, just the other day, she said when she was asked, well, are you concerned about Joe Biden and getting COVID because he's 79? And we know that it's not like when you're 20 and you get it, it could be a lot more serious. She said these words. We don't know that. It's just as serious for 20-year-olds as it is for 79-year-olds. That's, 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 that's idiocy. It's the exact opposite. So, But she, she wasn't challenged except by that reporter. You know, if they had any minds of their own, the other 40 in the room would have said, wait a minute, what are you saying? We all know the statistics. And I bet you most of them do, but they don't care. Or they don't know. They just listen to what Fauci says and believe it because they're, they're running for the next big uh, quote. So the gel man effect, here's, and here's what I want to talk about. Dennis Prager used to be one of my favorite guys. He's so, he, so wise. I'm a, I'm a member of Pragertopia. I, I listen without the commercials. I, I listen to all his shows when I'm doing menial tasks. He was spot on on COVID starting in March of 2020. I was still on the air and I was doing the same thing. I was telling the truth about masks, social distancing, and how they had pulled all this crap right out of their rear ends. And, and then he was spot on on ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and zinc. And he was spot on about the efficacy of the vaccines. And then Ukraine hit. He spent the last two years telling his listeners if you hear the word expert, doubt what they're saying for good reason. He, sa- he spent the last two years basically saying we can't trust our government. We can't trust our intelligence agencies. We can't trust our health authorities. We can't even trust your local doctor. My own doctor, after I got COVID really bad, said, you need to go get the vaccine. I'm like, are you crazy? That's nuts. I got a daughter that's a doctor and she's bought the whole kit and caboodle. But my point is about Prager is, and, and I've seen this to everybody on the right, is he, he pivoted from being suspicious of anything he saw in the news vis-a-vis COVID vaccines and lockdowns. And now he's watching Ukraine and he hasn't just taken um, the bait. He hasn't just taken hook, line and sinker. He took the rod. He took the reel. He took the boat and the fisherman was on. He took the trailer and the truck that brought in the boat. He is so black and white on Ukraine. And I'm like, dude, just read a little bit. His problem is he still reads the Washington Post, the New York Times, the LA Times, and tells us how biased they are. Well, that ship sailed about 15, 20 years ago for me. I don't bother with those outlets. I go where I can find trusted news. And I'll give you a list here later in the program. But um, the phone number, if you want to call in, I'd love to take a call. 888-627-6008. I don't care if you disagree or not. Um, I welcome that. I can disagree agreeably sometimes. Um, but he has taken everything. And, and here's the other thing I would ask you folks. When's the last time Fox News, CNN, the New York Times, the Biden administration, nearly every member of Congress have all agreed lockstep. Ukraine, great. 
uh, Zelensky is the second coming of Churchill and George Washington combined, and Putin is the next Hitler and Stalin. Oh my God, it's it's more complicated than that. It's way more complicated. Let me just throw out a few things that I you I hope you guys know. First of all, um, the West has been teasing and flirting with Ukraine about joining NATO for 30 years, since 1993, when they broke away from the Soviet Union, knowing that that's a red line for Putin. And, red, and Putin's red lines, they're real. They're not like Obama and Biden's. He's showing us his red line right now because we stepped in it. Kamala Harris, our, our articulate vice president, went over to Europe a week before he invaded and basically said, yeah, we, we think that your desire to join uh, NATO is legitimate, basically. A week later, he's invading Ukraine. In 1950, I forget the guy's name, but he was a secretary of state, might have been a secretary of defense under uh, Truman. And he put out a, a, in a speech, he talked about how we had to protect the, the West from the creeping of, of communism. That was back when the West was split down the middle, the Iron Curtain, you had all your Central and Eastern American, uh, European countries were in the Soviet bloc, and then you had China, and then you had the West, and they had a few outliers, you know, like in Cuba or whatever. Well, he didn't have Cuba yet, but he put out this thing, and he listed all the countries where America would be willing to defend those countries, P countries in Western Europe, and so on. He left out North Korea. He left out South Korea. And what happened? The Soviet Union backed North Koreans and they invaded South Korea because they saw, they, they sensed weakness. That's the same thing that happened here. They sensed weakness. So, I mean, there's no questions going on. Kamala Harris, I hope she doesn't know what's going on. She screwed it up. So my point is, is that there is so much going on in Ukraine that we don't know about. Um, that okay, I got an unstable internet connection. All right, there's there's these bio labs where I've evidently we're doing research over there that we can't do in public because if we found out about it, there'd be investigations and people would go to jail. So we're doing it in Ukraine. The other thing is, don't you find it interesting that these people, these politicians, all have siblings or relatives with business dealings in Ukraine? Nancy Pelosi. John Kerry, Mitt Romney, Mittens, uh, Joe Biden, uh, John McCain and Lindsey Graham, both heavily invested. John McCain's dead, but they're both got heavily intertwined with Ukraine. Ukraine basically is a slush fund for all sorts of nefarious activities. Now, do I know all the details? No, but I know enough to know. I don't know what I know. Okay. I know what I don't know. And it's a humanitarian crisis, but part of it is our own doing, because what we should have said a long time ago, when, when the Soviet Union fell, there was something called the, Bucharest, the, the Budapest Accord, a Budapest Memorandum, I can't remember. It was basically an agreement between the East and the West, and we said, look, we're not going to expand NATO to the East. We're just going to let those countries be kind of a buffer between us and, and Russia. And what do we do? Boom. We start adding all these countries to, to NATO. We've added 14 or 15 since then, every one of them getting closer to Russia. 
Now, when Putin came to power in the early 2000s, he said in his speech, taken office, Ukraine will not be a part of NATO. If it is, you know, all bets are off. And now he's, he's calling his own bluff. He's doing it. So we shouldn't be surprised. But my point about the gel man effect is, I hate to say it this way, but there's literally nothing you can believe in the media unless you know exactly where you're getting your news from. I don't get any news. I watch it for amusement sometimes, but the idiot box in my living room for sports, I don't get news from that. Now, is Fox News on? We like to watch Tucker. He's entertaining, and he's spot on most of the time. But the rest of them, they're all – I mean, listen, the people that sit there on the five or – or I mean, Greg Gutfeld's funny. But the, that morning show with uh, the black lady uh, uh, surrounded or outnumbered, um, they're, just, they're just beautiful people talking. They don't know anything. I watch Neil Cavuto. Neil Cavuto has got an hour-long show on Fox every day at 2 o'clock. He's got a two-hour show in the morning on Fox Business, and he does a two-hour show on Saturday mornings on Fox. When does he have time to read? He doesn't because all he's doing is putting together segments with his producers. So he doesn't know anything. He knows what somebody has slid in front of him. But does he have the time to do the kind of research that I do, which is reading 24-7? My wife doesn't like that. She thinks I should work more. I probably should. But anyway, I see on here, Ukraine is a gravy train for the cabal. And it is. I mean, it, it just is. And so what we got to do is we got to know what is a humanitarian crisis and what is a national security crisis. And that's not a national security crisis. In fact, we're turning it into one by getting involved over there. We should just wipe our hands on the matter and say, you know, we'll give you all the arms you want. We'll funnel them. I mean, if you want 20 1980s era MIGs from Poland, great. What is good is that going to do? I'll tell you what would end the war right now is if they had a squadrons of, of uh, warthogs, A-10 warthogs. Those are the best ground support uh, aircraft ever invented. And the Air Force has been trying to get rid of them for 30 years. The Army has been trying to keep them for 30 years because the Army and the Marines love the warthog because it's got a 20 millimeter cannon and 50 caliber machine guns. And that thing can wreak havoc on a truck convoy. Tanks just kills, but they don't have any warthogs. You got to wonder why haven't we given warthogs to our Eastern European allies, but story for another day. So the point I'm trying to make is keep in mind the gel man amnesia effect, whatever you're watching. Now I have the benefit of, I'm going to, Toot my own horn. I know about a lot of stuff. I mean, see these books? That's my research assistant. I have an uncle down in Alabama, and he's elderly. And when I was doing a radio show, he and my aunt would tune in on over online. And one day I called him after a show and said, you know, how you doing? I like to keep up with them. They were my favorite aunt and uncle. He's like, Mark, I got a question for you. He goes, uh, how many research assistants does that station give you? I said, what? He said, yeah, how many research assistants? You could get all these facts right at the tip of your fingers. I said, Uncle Jerry, not only do I not get research assistance, but I got to pay for the airtime. And that's why I sell advertising. He didn't believe me for a while. And then I showed him the picture in my office. I said, this is my research assistant. So if you read a lot of books and you read the right things online, you can know stuff. And then you can filter out all the nonsense. That's one reason why I want to start my own podcast is because I want to try to bring the truth and, and common sense to 
uh, a public that needs it. All right, that's enough on the gel man amnesia effect. Um, oh, I want to add a couple things on Ukraine that we don't aren't talked about. Not only is it a giant slush phone, not only are there these bio labs doing who knows what, but the Ukraine is rated by different agencies, both private and the UN, as the third most corrupt country in the world. That's like out of 192 members of the UN, it's 190th in corruption or third in corruption. The only two others are two countries in Africa that are run by, you know, black jobs. Um, um, but they, the Western Ukraine, there's these two regions right on the border of, of Russia and Ukraine. One's called the Dom, Dumbass dumbass Donbass region and the other one is some other region well that's got like 90 percent ethnic russians they speak russian they have russian culture they kind of see themselves as russian well ukraine since night since 2014 when we remember that lady that testified in the ukrainian phone call impeachment thing her name was victoria newland she's been in the deep state since the 90s she started in the clinton administration working in the state department and then she was in the Bush number two or 43 administration. And then she was in the Obama administration. She And she, her focus was basically Ukraine, right? She took a break during Trump. They didn't want her in during Trump. But my point is, is that these people, it's so corrupt that the, the government of Ukraine, Zelensky, he's putting up a good fight. I mean, he's he, he got a great PR team. He he knows how to put a good PR. He's a former comedian. That's what he did before he got elected president. It's a good gig. And remember, in 2014, we staged what was called the Orange, the Color Revolution, and we basically took out the the a duly elected government of Ukraine and replaced it with a pro-West government. It wasn't the one that won. The one that won was a pro-Russian government. And our CIA and State Department went over there, meddled and removed it and put in a guy and then Zelensky beat that guy. So there's a lot going on over there. And on top of that, Ukrainian army has been shelling and cutting off water supplies to the people in those two Russian regions of Ukraine. They've been committing genocide, essentially. Tens of thousands of people died. So it's complicated and you need to know what you don't know. That's I'll leave it at that. Now, I will add one more thing. I'm going to try to find this. There's a guy out there named Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E. He has a radio show or a podcast. I haven't listened to it. But I ran across like a 53 um, post Twitter thread. Had 53 posts. And he talked about how we have to reorient our way of viewing media and news. I went back and tried to find it, but it's so buried in his Twitter. He's one of these guys that tweets 30 times a day. So I have to find it. So I might talk about that Friday, but uh, read it to you. Um, all right. Now I want to talk quickly about, uh, we've to covered the gel man, that major effect. We covered the war in Ukraine. Now we're going to talk about mortgage redlining. Mortgage redlining is where the accusation is, is that banks and mortgage companies would draw a red line around uh, minority neighborhoods and, and a map in their office. And they say, don't make any loans in this area. That was true in the 30s and 40s. A lot of racism, Jim Crow, I get it. But they outlawed it in the 60s. And uh, let me get my uh, paperwork. And uh, now I'm going to combine gel man, amnesia, and redlining. 
So in looking for this redlining, I came across this study at a place called themarkup.org. It's a lefty site that sees racism under every bed. Um, and basically, um, I looked at the bios of all the reporters, and all the reporters were like in their early 20s. They got real young faces, kind of like mine. Um, so the study found that there is imbalances. There's racism in lending because blacks get denied at a higher rate than whites. End of story. Blacks and Hispanics get denied for mortgages at a higher rate than whites. That proves racism. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's about seven. There's there's three. There's four things that, that lenders look at when they're going to loan you money. They pull your credit. That's the most important part. Or do you have a habit of paying back the loans you already have? They look at your collateral. That's your your property. They look at your income. I forget uh, what cash or uh, there's it's four C's. But anyway, they look at, at pro- appraised value. They look at your credit score. They look at your uh, income, your debt to income ratio, and they look at your stability. Do you move every six months? Um, have you been married three times? Those are fact. I mean, you can't, I guess they don't do the factor of the divorce three times, but they look at your overall stability. And if you're a person whose personal life is a mess, that's going to come into play. Okay. Now. So uh, I assume, am I on? I, I just want to go back to what I'm sorry about. We have internet problems here. I don't know what happens, but it seems to happen every time I sub for Julie and Chuck. Uh, by the way, I'm Mark Griffith, and I'm not Chuck and Julie, but you have the right show. It's the Chuck and Julie show. I'm trying to reconnect on Zoom. Uh, I will shortly. But essentially, um, these authors um, said we weren't able to include credit scores because that they, that's private information. So they didn't include credit scores when evaluating whether or not banks discriminate against black and Hispanic borrowers. Okay. Um, it says, in, it, uh, another uh, sentence says, despite the importance of credit scores and lending decisions, we could not control for this other uh, variable, all right? So I made a list of questions for these uh, two young uh, reporters that wrote this, because they had about five stories up on racism in lending. And I would have said, uh, well, did you compare default rates? Because that's the easy way to figure out if a mortgage lender is discriminating against a, a borrower. So here's the way it works. Um, let's say that uh, you're an underwriter. Well, not. Let's, let's don't go that way. Let's see here. So the, the easy way to tell if people are being discriminated against is you compare the default rates of black and Hispanic borrowers to white borrowers. And it's a little counterintuitive, but if the default rates, in other words, the people who get foreclosed on, is lower for black and Hispanics, then you know they're being held to a higher standard and therefore they're being discriminated against. But guess what? The default rates for minorities is higher than black, than white folks. I talked to an old friend who's been an underwriter for 40 years in the mortgage business, and she confirmed what I suspected all along. The government, through Fannie and Freddie and any other federal, the SEC, anybody else that has anything to do with the mortgage business, they are constantly pushing mortgage lenders to approve minority loans. They, they, I, even when I did it in the 90s and to the 2000s, you would go into a lender's office and there would be signage that was propaganda. And they basically make loans to people who, if you recall, in 2007 and 8, when the mortgage business crashed and burned, 
All the stories are about how it hit minorities harder. Well, duh, the reason it hit minorities harder is because for the last 10 years, starting with Clinton and doubled down on by George Bush, W. Bush is, they were basically telling lenders, if you don't make these loans to minorities, we're going to take you to court. We're going to fine you. I mean, the, the best case is Barney Frank. Barney Frank was behind the Dodd-Frank financial reform legislation in 2009, in which they really cracked down on lenders. But if you go back and look at his statements in the late 90s, he said, and I'm going to paraphrase, he said, let's roll the dice. I want to take a chance. He basically took the handcuffs off of Fannie and Freddie and the FHA and made it much easier to get approved for loans. They raised the LTV standards. They raised the down payment amount. They, they lowered the down payment amounts. They lowered the credit scores required to get a, a funding. They did all sorts of things to pervert the market. And what did you get? You got a bunch of people who, at the first sign of financial trouble, they lose their job or they get laid off or their wife loses their job, boom, they lose their house. They can't afford to pay. Um, it's, it's so, so I wanted to ask the question, um, if this is true, if lenders are actually discriminating, why, why don't we see the lawsuits? Why don't we see these lenders dragged into court by the Department of Justice? Because we all know, we know, without a, a shadow of a doubt, that the the uh, um, the the Department of Justice can you imagine under Eric Holder he wouldn't have loved to have frog marched a bunch of people on Wall Street to jail because they were discriminating against uh, racist uh, blacks and Hispanics I mean that's why whenever people say oh vaccines cause um, um, oh, what's the th- autism right. Well, if vaccines cause autism, we would be seeing lawsuits won in the billions of dollars, but they haven't been able to draw the connection. Now, that changed, if you recall, back at the first of the year when I did a show on the book by uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., the real Anthony Fauci. I've come to believe that many, if not most, of our most recent vaccines, not the old ones, polio, smallpox, mumps, measles, rubella, those are all probably pretty solid. But I've come to believe all the additional ones they're insisting our kids get now, very suspicious. If I had a child coming up, I would not administer those. Here's another one. They said that the way credit scores are obtained discriminates against lenders. And one of the ways they do that is they complain that since minorities use payday lenders more than white people. I tried. I emailed both these reporters. and multiple times and said, hey, I'd love to ask you some questions, even have you come on the podcast so we can talk about your methodology. But basically, it's a good example of how there's not redlining, because if there was redlining, minorities' default rates would be lower than whites, but it's higher. That means they're given loans. They don't, they're, they're given a little more leeway. And secondly, uh, they didn't take credit into account. And any of you out there that have bought anything on credit know your credit score really matters a lot. All right, let's go to our next subject. The next subject is, um, let's talk a little bit about price gouging. Now, people like to say, um, I'll give you an example. I was in the the line at the drugstore, one Walgreens, but the other one here in Parker, in April of 2020, right after the whole thing started. People were, you know, panic buying uh, hand sanitizer and toilet paper and everything else. Well, I went in there to get some foot powder or something, and I'm at the line, and the lady 
walking in front of me, she says kind of loudly to the clerk, where's your hand sanitizer? He's like, ma'am, I had a whole two shelves of it right there, but a guy came in this morning and he bought all of it. And she's like, well, that's not right. And he goes, well, I couldn't stop him. You know, he paid for it. And so I just remarked to the both of them. I said, you know, if instead of four ninety five, that hand sanitizer was 25 bucks, there'd be some there. She said, well, that's price gouging. I said, well, but you could buy some. So prices are simply a way to manage supply. So you see this, I read, this is one of the best stories of all time. So there was a hurricane that hit, kind of came through up through Mississippi. One of those that, that wreaked havoc 150 miles inland. And I'm originally from Mississippi. And let me tell you, there's a lot of trees down there. In fact, the lane to my papa and granny's house, the, the road, is a tunnel of old growth oak trees and pine trees. It's dark in the daytime. And so when a hurricane comes through, those things all fall on the roads and they fall on power lines. And guess what? Injured people can't get to the hospital. And also another thing about Mississippi is it's hot and humid in the summer. And heat kills it anyway. So some guys in Kentucky were thinking, hey, we can help some people out and make a little coin. So they went to Lowe's and Home Depot and in two or three towns. they had, One of them had a, a, um, a commercial driver's license and he had a rig. They went and rented a trailer and they loaded the trailer with as many chainsaws as they could put in there and generators, I think. They chalked it up, paid retail. Okay, then they paid for their diesel and they drove to Mississippi overnight, two days. And now they're just selling chainsaws, basically at about double of what they paid. And they did the math. They were going to recover the cost of their diesel, recover the cost of the rented truck, recover the wear and tear on the truck and their labor and the cost for the uh, chainsaws. And they'd make a little money. They weren't making a lot of money. They were mostly doing this to help people out because they had seen on TV have all these trees down and we don't have enough chainsaws. They were both arrested for price gouging. Now, folks, if we didn't have stupid laws on price gouging, we would have chainsaws during after hurricanes. Another example. You see this all the time. I used to live in New Orleans when I was a kid. And whenever hurricanes would come through, we would go to the store, buy plywood, and we'd put it up on our plate glass windows. And we would tape our windows with Masking tape. I have no idea when we did that. Doesn't make sense. But um, you know, plywood was more expensive because they were running out of it. Well, now they've got all these stupid price. Even Republican governors do this stuff. No one has the courage to say we're not going to have price gouging laws because I want there to be an ample supply when bad things happen. I'd love to have somebody call me and disagree with me. TJ, if you could put the number up in the chat, the number is. Uh, let me give you the number, folks. It is 888-627-6008. That's 888-627-6008. Why do I feel like we lost uh, a lot of our people when I had my disconnection? Anyway, the bottom line is, is that if they can't raise the price of plywood before a hurricane comes, then people go and buy too much. They buy more than they need. So if a normal price of a piece of plywood is 20 bucks, ha ha, not anymore. And they raise it to 120 bucks. Then a guy's going to think, do I really need that third piece of plywood or do I just need enough for my two plate glass windows? See what I'm saying? So um, it, 
price gouging is just not a thing. And if anybody disagrees, it's 888-627-6008. So I'm going to leave that and go to the last thing. It's really important. I'm going to talk more about this Friday. I'm going to get my all organized. But um, I thought I would get more interaction on my other subjects. But basically, folks, we are seeing now that there is a negative relationship between vaccinations and COVID prevention. That means that in the, the countries that are honest in reporting their data, and this country is not, there are some states that do it um, honestly, but the CDC completely corrupted the data. They, they, you can't get honest data. They, they hide stuff. Just like when I was going looking for default rates broken down by race, it was like finding a pin in a, a, a haystack. The government doesn't want to show that because it would show that there's not redlining, no discrimination. And that's the other thing about the whole Joe man thing. If these two young reporters who are crying racism and lending every other article they write, if they had just taken a simple statistics class in high school or college and they had ever applied for a mortgage, they might understand. Or if they studied anything about the mortgage industry or just called their mortgage, called a mortgage broker, call up their dad and say, dad, where did you get your mortgage from? Well, I got it from ABC lending. Oh, Call them and just ask them, how does this work? But they don't. And then here's the worst thing. As I began to read down at their website, legislatures around the country are now passing laws to attack redlining, even though their study didn't include any credit scores. They're going to pass laws. And you know what those laws will do? They'll just make it more expensive and more difficult for them to get Loans. Here's a good example. Some idiot legislator from Aurora. She's some black lady. I don't know anything about her, but I just saw it on the news. My mom lives with us. She watches the news a lot. And she was passing a, a, tow, tow, a towing bill of rights or some nonsense. So it's going to give people who get their cars towed because they park in places where they shouldn't park or they leave their cars there. She's going to pass a bill of rights and they can put in a whole bunch of regulations. The, the tow company has to give written notice and they're going to have to take pictures and a bunch of other nonsense. You know what will happen? Their car is still going to get towed. They're just going to have to pay more to get it out of the lot because there's more crap the tow company has to do before they can tow the car. People don't understand that when you pass these laws, there's always unintended consequences or in some cases, intended consequences. So I'm, I'm a little worked up. But back to the, the vaccine thing. So our CDC corrupts the data. They, they don't release honest data. But there's some countries that have been releasing honest data. Sometimes the UK, they must have somebody on the inside that's slipping the data out. Because what will happen is they'll slip out some data that's real and broken down by age and all that and vax status. The things they want, like to hide about COVID are age-related deaths and vaccine status related to death and hospitalization because if they could if they find out that the number of deaths and hospitalizations per 100,000 people in the double vaxxed and boosted category is higher than the unvaxxed game over well the data coming out of Denmark the data coming out of a couple of uh, provinces in Canada um, Ontario was one and then the game was up and they pulled the data but Denmark Israel's another uh, the UK occasionally, and there's a couple of Central European countries that have been doing it, and also India. And the data shows 
unequivocally, especially more particularly with the RNA vaccines. Let me ask, let me point out something other thing to you. Did you know that China and India said no thank you to the RNA vaccines? They're using more traditional type vaccines, basically dead uh, samples of the actual virus. Instead, we're using this new technology that's never been used before. And, you know, we're having bad results. But basically, bottom line is, I'll show you the data on Friday. I want you to come back here. We're in the last two minutes of the show. I'm Mark Griffith. This is the Chuck and Julie Show. Remember, if you know somebody that needs some trees, go to treesandparker.com. All my information's there. I sell trees. I move trees. I even cut down trees because I eat with fire uh, firewood. So um, I hope I thank you for listening. Um, so we covered the gel man amnesia effect. Doubt and be suspicious and cynical of everything you see in the mainstream media of any kind, even Fox. I don't know about Newsback and uh, that other one. Their production values are pretty lousy, so I don't I don't watch TV. I, I read, so but I watch the sports. I love March Madness. I, this is my favorite time of year. Last Thursday and Friday was my favorite two days of the year. You get to watch basketball from ten in the morning till about ten thirty at night. So find that appealing. So uh, come back Friday. Hopefully, we'll have our technology issues ironed out. There will be some torture and killings off camera after the show's over uh, for the people responsible. Maybe I'll get video and post it online. Um, But thank you for listening. I'm Mark Griffith. This has been the Chuck and Julie Show. Have a great day.